Welcome to the GYSB Talks podcast with host Carla Palmer. GYSB Talks, get your sexy back talks, is the number one podcast helping women in midlife elevate physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, and in relationships. I am so happy and oh so grateful that you are here today and every week. Now, let's get into today's topic, shall we? I promised y'all another episode to continue the story of what happened after I left Tulsa. So a few episodes ago, probably almost like eight or nine episodes ago, it's entitled Loyal to a Fault, my senior prom story. I talked about my senior prom. I talked about how I was dating someone at the time who was cheating and blah, 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 all the things, right? Towards the end of that episode, I talked about how I moved to LA and I got a job at the bank. And then I said, long story, we'll get into that in another episode. Well, here is the continuation of that story. Okay, so I have been robbed at gunpoint four times in LA. Uh, I've actually been robbed six times. Two of those times were with a note. But a total of six times, one person being robbed that many times is quite a lot. And it does quite a bit of damage to your feeling of um, being safe, right? Still kind of bothers me to this day. Let me tell you about these robberies, okay? So the first robbery was at the bank. I was a teller. Told you guys how I got to be a teller um, in that last story. So... I was a teller at the bank. I got robbed with a note. Okay. That was that. It was scary. It was my first time being robbed at the bank. It was with a note. I gave him the money. That was that. The next time I was robbed, I was robbed in my car with some friends. So I had a friend visiting from Tulsa. We went out one night and we were sitting in the parking lot. I think we had had some drinks. There were three of us. And this man pulls up behind us so we're in a parking stall this man pulls up behind us but the way that he pulls up behind us we couldn't back out if we wanted to so he kind of blocked us in like on the tail end so he comes over to um no sorry he's sitting in his car and he honks his horn and I roll down my window and I look back and I'm like yeah right and mind you like I said I had been drinking a little bit so I, I was um I was a little sassy and I was like, yeah, you know, and he says, are you guys going into the club? Now we were sitting in the parking lot about to go into the comedy kind of comedy venue. It was over on Crenshaw. And I said, club, it's a comedy store. It's not a club. You know, like I said, being sassy, this does not warrant a robbery, but I was being sassy. And so he says, hold on, I can't hear you. He gets out of his car, comes over to my window, pulls out a gun, calls me the B word and was like, stop being smart. You know what? You know what this is. Basically, give me all your stuff. He didn't use the stuff word. He used another word. Give me all your stuff. Then my friend was drenched in gold jewelry. He had so much jewelry on. He asked him to take all his jewelry off. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, please, please, please don't shoot us. We're going to give you exactly what you want. Like, please don't shoot us. 
Um, and because I was really just trying to keep him calm. I gave him my wallet, my purse, and my friend in the back seat did the same. My other friend with all the jewelry, he took off all of his jewelry, gave the guy the jewelry, and then he got in his car and he left. Terrifying. All right. As young 20 somethings, this was so unnerving. All right. It was so scary. We went and called the police, you know, did all that reporting. So that was that incident. The next incident, so that's two. Um, the next incident was with a note at the bank. I had moved over to one of the main corporate um, offices of this particular bank that I worked for, California Federal Bank. And um, I had moved over there, and so I was a teller. I was at my teller window. Someone came in. It was the same as that one time that happened before at the other branch, came in, put a note up, asked for money, told me not to uh, pull the bait because there was bait that you could pull and it would sound silent alarm, that kind of thing. So I did what I was supposed to do, gave him the money. He left. I was kind of shaken up. um, And that was that. All right. So that's robbery number three. Robbery number four. This is where it gets really bad for me. So I'm helping my customer. And at this point, you know, I've been at the bank for a while. Um, I worked at the bank a total of five years and, you know, got promoted over the years to, um, you know, teller supervisor, vault supervisor, like that kind of thing. Right. Never like a branch manager or anything, but I had access to the vault. I had access to the ATM, um, which was dual control. What does dual control mean? That means I had the combination and someone else at the bank another manager or supervisor had the actual key. So dual control can't open one without the other. So I'm helping my customer and um, I see these guys, I'm pretty observant, right? I see these guys come into the branch. There are three of them. One stands in the teller line. Another one kind of stands by the door and then one walks over to the new accounts area and sits down at the new accounts desk. And I'm still helping my customer. We're chatting a little bit. Um, so I see the new accounts guy picks up his phone, calls, I guess, over to our area. And then one of our managers goes over to the new accounts desk. She comes back over to our area um, with the guy, not the new accounts rep. She's coming back over to our area with the guy who was seated at the desk who had come in with the other two guys. I think this is so strange. I'm like, why is she walking over here with him? So she's walking over here with him. She brings him behind the teller area, which is a big no-no. We don't do any of that with any customer. They're not allowed back there, right? So she brings him over. She's walking towards my area. I'm like, what the heck is she walking over here for? She's walking to my area. She comes to my uh, window and she says to me, Carla, can you close your window? And I said, sure. So customer leaves. I close my window. And I am looking at her and I'm looking at this man who I've never seen before. And he looks scary. 
Um, he doesn't have on a mask, but he has on glasses, like shades. They're dark. And she said, I need you to come to the um, the ATM area. There was an ATM room, you know, where you, you know, stack the ATM with money and all of that. And then the outside of the building, the outside of the building, that's where um, people get the money out of the ATM. But we have to put the money in the ATM. And there were two of them. So she says to me, I need you to come to the ATM room with me because this man wants to take the money out of the ATM. I said, me and you go back there. She said, yes, I need you to come now. So (laughs) I'm so terrified because bank robberies back in the 90s in L.A., they were pretty big and they were pretty scary. And people ended up dead in some of those robberies. So in my head, I'm thinking I might be about to die right now. No one else in the bank, as far as our area, really knew um, what was going on. So we go to the back and he goes, he has a gun, pulls it out. It's clearly uh, a gun. And he says, all right, give me the money. And so she takes her key and she opens up the ATM. Then it's my turn because I have the combination. Now my hand is shaking. I cannot, it's shaking uncontrollably. So imagine trying to open up a safe and your hand is shaking and you can't get it to focus on the numbers that it's supposed to focus on. I ended up getting it open. We put the money in the bag and then I said, do you want the other one? I guess he didn't realize it was two and he was like, hell yeah. And I'm like, okay, we're going to get this open. So we got it open. My manager's looking at me like, why the heck would you offer him the other one? It was just, I didn't know. I thought maybe he knew it was too. I don't know. You don't really think things through in those kinds of situations. So we open up the other one. We give him the money. And I said, please don't shoot us. Please don't, please don't kill us. And he said, okay, put your hands on the back of your head and put, get on your knees and put your head down, right? This is when I'm thinking he's just going to pop both of us at this point. We did what he said. Um, and he said, I'm leaving. Don't get up. Don't get up. We were like, okay. He left. So we were in there for quite a while. And I'm assuming, you know, he actually left the building with his homies or whatever. So we come out and um, they're gone. And at that point, you know, everybody knows the bank was robbed. Um, this was so many years ago. So I don't remember like all the other details. But let's just say that was very traumatic. The fifth time the bank got robbed, it was a very similar situation. So I'm at the teller window. These guys must have been in some kind of ring because they all, they had the same format. So three guys come in the bank. One guy walks towards the new accounts area. Now at there's two, there's an entrance, like a main entrance to the bank. And then there's another entrance that if you go out the back, you go through the lobby. So I see this happening and I, you know, trauma, right? I'm got, I got PTSD at this point. Uh, so trauma. And so I see this happening and I tell my customer, I said, you know, I'm going to close my window. Um, I think the bank is about to get robbed. I said, don't say anything. Now, did I do the right thing? No. In hindsight, this was definitely not the right thing to do. But this is what I did. He left, my, my customer left the window and I got down really low and I started inching my way 
towards the back exit towards the lobby. Didn't say anything to anybody. Again, I know this was not the right thing to do. Didn't say anything to anybody. All I knew was I was getting out of there. What I wasn't going to do is go through the same thing, the same scenario that I went through the last time and not make it out of there alive. So I was getting out of the bank. My goal was to get out of the bank, go to the security desk, and let those people know what was happening. So I go to the security desk and in the lobby and I say, I think the bank is getting robbed. He said, are you sure? And I said, no, but I'm about 99% sure that it's getting robbed because it's the same thing that happened the last time. So he calls the police, right? Calls the police. The police come. I'm out of the lobby outside at this point. I'm like, I don't even want to be in here. So I'm out there. The police come. These idiots come with their sirens on. They roll up with the sirens on. And so we're in, there's a parking lot, right? So we're in the parking lot. The police come. They were like, did they leave the bank? I said, no. Um, And I don't know why they were in the bank this long. Again, this is years ago. So I can't remember every single detail, but I remember they were in there for quite a while. So the police come. They said, well, can you identify the guys when they come out? And I said, I can try. So eventually these guys come out and they come out like robbers. They look like robbers. They have the bags and everything. The police ambush the guys. They get them, put them in the squad cars, all of the things, right? So that was that. So I can't stop working at the bank because I don't have very many skills don't know what else I'm going to be doing with my life you know I had moved to LA to be an actress that was definitely not something that I was really pursuing anymore and so because I was moving up at the bank I was making decent money for somebody in their early 20s right so I was like traumatized all messed up eventually still working at the bank I think I took like a couple of days off or something like that This last incident was it for me. Completely it for me. So these this this was a different ring of people because they had a different method the way they did this thing. So they had probably been watching to see what times the Brinks truck um, brought in the ATM and I'm sorry, the cash, right? The cash delivery to the bank. They knew what time they came and everything. They knew what time the bank opened. The Brinks truck usually brought the money before the bank opened, like, you know, 30 minutes before something like that. Again, I don't remember specific details, but at this point I am the vault supervisor. I am the person who is in charge of giving all of the tellers their money to start the day. Um, If they need larger bills, more money throughout the day, it's me. We go in the back. I give them additional money for um, big cash withdrawals that people would sometimes make. All right. So that was my goal. So the delivery came. I got in the money and I was in the back. I counted out the money to most of the tellers. I think probably all of them. And we were about to open. So... The security guard, this is, I'm trying to remember exactly how this happened. The security guard was standing, we had a security guard at this point, but we still didn't have the glass around the, to protect tellers. So the security guard um, opens the door 
and I, I'm coming out of the vault and the vault is facing this door that's kind of like in the back, the door that I was telling you about. So he opens it and these two guys come in. I think they had on mask. All I know is they, I felt the energy. I felt the evil spirit, scary thing, right? So they come in somehow. It's two of them. They have guns. One puts a gun to our security guard's head. And the other one, this happens so fast. The other one goes through to the tellers, like jumps over this little area to the tellers. They don't see me. So I go back into the vault and close the door. I don't close it all the way, but I close it enough. I go and I find this little table that's in that room and I crawl under the table and I'm like hiding. I think there was like some little thing that I was hiding behind, but somebody would have seen me if they had come in there, but I was terrified. Um, so after some time, it felt like such a long time, but after some time, uh, and I had, you know, gone to the bathroom on myself, all the things, because I was so terrified. Um, this lady, her name was Sholay, and she was one of the managers at the bank. She came in, she, Carla, Carla, where are you? Carla, are you here? And she sees me and I get up. I'm terrified. I'm shaking. I'm crying. And she's like, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not. But I can tell you this. I will never set foot in this bank again. You will never see me in this bank again. And I got my purse. I ain't counting nothing out. I'm, I was done. And I left. And I went home. I, it's all a blur to me at this point. Like what happened between that, me leaving the bank and me going home. But I made it home. All right. So now I don't have a job. Um, I get an attorney um, because I, I sued the bank for stress and strain because we had been asking them to beef up the security and they just didn't do it. So I got an attorney, sued the bank for stress and strain. I had to go see a therapist for the stress and the uh, post-traumatic stress. So I'm seeing the therapist and she says to me, well, what kind of work are you going to do? Right. And this is after some time, like lots and lots of um, talking through things um, for weeks and weeks. And, you know, it's coming to time where I need to figure out what my next move is. Now, meanwhile, I had like little odd jobs working here. They're kind of under the table stuff and I was surviving, but I needed to figure out what I was going to do as far as like a real job. So she, um, she says to me, like, you know, maybe take up a trade. I was like, I don't want to do a trade. She said, well, what, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. I'm not smart. That's what I said to her. I said, I don't know. I'm not smart. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm not smart. Like, academics is not my thing. I've never done really well in school. Um, I moved out here because I wanted to be an actress and then when that didn't pan out for me to be an actress, I wanted to um, do something different and I didn't know what that was. So I just kept working at the bank. And that's not really what I wanted to do either, but I just got stuck there. And she said, well, I've been talking to you for the past few weeks and you are highly intelligent. And I think you can do anything you want to do. 
And I said, really? She said, yeah. Like, I don't know why you th- you don't think you're smart. Like, I don't know where that's coming from. And we talked through some reasons why that might be. Um, a couple of things, right? One of the reasons is, you know, and it stems from childhood. It's crazy. One of the reasons was I was in a spelling bee in the eighth grade. And in that eighth grade spelling bee, which was in front of the whole school because I made it out of the classroom spelling bee to the main stage to do the the auditorium spelling bee in front of the whole school. And I was asked to spell the word chief. Uh, I before E except after C. <laughs> I spelled it wrong. And when I spelled it wrong, everybody laughed. And I remember them saying that is incorrect people laughing I went off the stage and then the rest of the year people were like what's up chief right I just felt stupid so that stuck with me more than I knew the other incident that um, contributed to me not believing or feeling as though I was smart or intelligent well maybe I kind of knew I was intelligent because those they're two different things there's like book smart And then there's like street smart. And then there's like intelligent enough to have a conversation with people. Um, So this last thing that I can remember that we talked about that kind of came up for me with the therapist was I was in a pageant, the Miss Teen Black, Miss Black Tulsa Teen Pageant or something like that. I forgot the exact name of it, but I was in this pageant and I was doing okay throughout the pageant until it was my turn to answer a question. Uh, You know those pageants. They ask you these questions and, you know, you're supposed to give some profound, um, highly intelligent answer. Um, She asked the question. I forget exactly what the question was, but it was pertaining to gangs in L.A. and colors. And we're in Tulsa. But I guess you are supposed to be up to date on current events, world events, national events, those kinds of things. And this was probably at the height of the gang relations, um, lots of crime related to that um, stuff in L.A. So she asked me this question and I sit there dumbfounded like, "Mm, can you repeat the question, please? Can you repeat the question, please? She says, sure. Now, this is in front of an auditorium of hundreds of people. My peers, my peers' friends, people from around town. If you know towns, you know that, you know, in the Midwest, in a town like Tulsa, people know each other, right? So there's people out there that I know. And um, she repeats the question. I pause again. I got nothing. I got nothing. And so I said, I don't know. That's what I said. I said, I don't know. And then you could hear the audience. They went, oh. And I turned around and I walked off the stage. Those are two incidents in front of lots and lots of people where I feel like I made a complete idiot of myself. 
where I felt so small, where I felt so stupid, and it stuck with me. It stuck with me. It stuck with me more than I knew. The eighth grade uh, spelling bee stuck with me. The remainder of middle school, it stuck with me through high school. I never really did that well in high school. I didn't think I was smart, didn't really try. Um, and then um, this teen pageant that I was in um, stuck with me through adulthood, a lot of adulthood, right? So I just didn't know that it was impacting me in that way. And so as I was going through therapy and talking through these things with the therapist and she saying to me, listen, I understand that those things happen to you, but I've been talking to you for weeks and you are a highly intelligent, very capable of doing anything that you put your mind to. You should think about going back to school. You should think about going back to school. And I said, okay, I will think about that. I thought about that. And I thought about going and getting a trade. Couldn't think of a trade that I wanted to do. Um, and I decided, all right, this lady is saying I'm highly intelligent. You know, unfortunately, I had to listen to somebody else tell me that. Um, let me see. Let me see what let me see what I could do. Let me see what this brain can do. Okay. So I went back to community college and applied myself. At the time, my best friend at the time, we're no longer friends, but my best friend at the time, we had been friends for a real long time. And we had both been through a lot of traumatic experiences. We both decided that we were going to go to community college, really apply ourselves. And we did that. And I started getting A's. I kept getting A's in my classes. And I was like, uh, okay. Uh, so I started uh, getting A's and then it was time to get an AA and I earned my AA degree. Like I said, when I went back to school after, you know, spending like five years going to community college, messing around in class, not caring about anything, but only being enrolled in community college because I had promised my parents when I moved to LA at 19 that I would go to school. Didn't really want to go to school, but it was a promise. So I kept the promise to them and really just didn't even try. But this time, this time around after these robberies, when I was kind of backed into a corner, like, girl, what are you going to do with your life? I started getting A's, Um, got enough credits to earn my AA degree. And I started to apply to four-year schools because my friend and I at the time um we were like well shoot you know we got our AAs we're getting A's like let's go to college together let's be roommates let's apply to these schools and see where we can get in we applied to all the UCs we applied to a couple of the Cal states they were a little easier to get into so we applied to a couple of the Cal states um and then we applied to University California Berkeley UC Irvine, UC Riverside. Those were the UCs that we applied to. Y'all, I got into every school. I was floored. I got into every single school that I applied to and was like, ain't even got like little scholarship money. I said, well, look at here. My goodness. I might not be as dumb as I thought I was. <laughs> That was definitely a boost. So my friend and I decided, all right, it's between two schools, UCLA, right? So you can go to UCLA or we can go to UC Berkeley. 
Um, I wanted to go to UC Berkeley. She wanted to go to UCLA. So we couldn't figure it out. We wanted to go to school together. We wanted to room roommate together because we were such so much older than the other kids who were going to be at the school because we were older transfer students. So we ended up flipping a coin at this restaurant called Coco's. We flipped a coin. Heads, it was Berkeley. Tails, it was UCLA. We were going to just go with that. It ended up being heads. We ended up going to UC Berkeley. We both kept the commitment to whatever that landed on. That's what we were going to do. And we ended up going to UC Berkeley. Um, I majored in African-American studies. I was really interested in that subject matter. And um, it was something that I just felt like, okay, if you're going to go to school, um, you want to learn about something that you're interested in. I wanted to possibly be an attorney. Um, and so that's what I pursued in school, like African-American studies. That was my, um, that was my major. And it was a, a really great experience. I ended up doing pretty well. I didn't get anything less than an A um, in any of my classes. I got one A minus. So um, I ended up graduating with a 3.97, something like that. Uh, GPA. That's pretty good for somebody who thought they were not smart. Um, and I ended up being valedictorian of the department, which meant that I could speak at graduation. Imagine that back on a stage, but not because I'm doing a spelling bee, not because I'm in a pageant, but because I am the valedictorian at UC Berkeley, somebody who didn't think that they were very smart at all. It was amazing. It was incredible. Um, it did, you know, some of that not feeling very smart did kind of come up for me when they told me that I was a valedictorian of the department. And I did this really stupid thing. I said, well, listen, I'm just a transfer student. I don't deserve this. This should be given to somebody who spent four years total at UC Berkeley and not just two because that would mean that they really earned it. You see how how that is? How you kind of like do that to yourself? Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you say something like that? And I remember my counselor at the time saying to me, what are you afraid of? Why, why wouldn't you want to take something that you earned? This isn't something that's just being given to you. You actually earned this and you deserve it just as much as anybody else. Take it. Take the valedictorian status and speak at graduation. And I had to walk away and think about it because I was really scared. I was scared to go back on that stage. I was scared that I was going to get up there and I was going to fumble again. You know, that stuff just came up for me. And I went home. I thought about it. I talked to my roommate. Um, her name is Becky. We're still really, really good friends. Talked to her, talked to my best friend at the time. And you know, Becky was like, you're going to write your speech. We're going to make sure it's a good speech. I'm going to go over it with you. Like, you're going to do this thing. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And I did that thing. Y'all, I really did that thing. That speech was amazing. It was so good that I got a standing ovation at graduation. My mom was there. My dad was there. I had never seen my dad cry. My dad cried because he was so proud of me. And he's not with us now, but I'm so glad that he had that moment to see me do something that made him so proud. You know, like it just felt really good. So 
that's my little story. I'll end it there. There's other stuff that I could talk about and we'll maybe we'll continue the story on another episode. But I, I think you guys got enough. Um, it's fun telling these stories. I like them. And uh, I want to continue telling more stories. But uh, some stories I have to get permission from uh, the kiddo because they involve him. Maybe we'll have him on at some point. He's such a great guy. Um, my son, he's 23. But yeah, so that's that's my story. Um, and I, I enjoyed speaking with you guys about it. And I hope you enjoyed it too. Um, if anything resonated with you, let me know. Um, there's always a, a way to feedback down below in the Q&A section. Um, if you're listening to this on Spotify, you can always email me at gysbmovement at gmail.com. Uh, you can DM me on Instagram or YouTube or TikTok. I'm GYSB Movement there. I just want to know what you think. Um, if this podcast is resonating with you, please like, follow, turn on notifications so that you can get notified when new episodes drop. We drop them every Monday at 6 a.m. So please do that. Uh, follow me on social media sites. You can get to know me a little bit better on there. Um, I am really interested in knowing what you guys want to hear. I'm really interested in making sure that I'm not just giving you content that I think you want. I want to give you content that you actually want so that we can elevate together. I say that all the time, right? This podcast, GYSB, get your sexy back. How are we getting our sexy back in these different areas? And some of us need to get our sexy back more in uh, some other in areas than others, right? Some of us need to do better in our finances. Some of us need to do better in relationships. Some of us need to do better with our spiritual walk, right? Some of us need to do better with our physical health. So there are a lot of different areas that we're working on, but the podcast and the topics that we do here are all intended to help us elevate. All right. Again, this has been lovely. I appreciate you uh, tuning in, listening. Um, I appreciate you just being interested to hear some of my story. If you stayed the whole way through, I appreciate it. Thank you. Share out the podcast. Let your friends know that we're here. All right. I'll talk to you later. Take care. All content on this podcast and any linked blog, podcast, webinar, course, or video material is created and produced for informational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health advice. The information is general and may not be suitable for your personal circumstances or complete health objectives. Do not use this content as a standalone resource to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease for therapeutic purposes or as a substitute for the advice of a health professional. Never delay seeking advice or disregard the advice of a medical professional based on our content here on this podcast. If you have questions or concerns about your health or medical condition, please seek guidance from a medical professional.